I'd like you to turn your Bibles this morning open to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and beginning this morning with verse 16. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and beginning with verse 16 and we'll read through verse 18 and we're going to begin our study here uh, from this passage of scripture and Paul the apostle says he writes that is rejoice evermore pray without ceasing and he says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you he said in verse 18 again in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We're going to deal with that. We're going to start our study on praise and worship there from this passage of Scripture. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today in the wonderful name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for this camp meeting. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come together in fellowship. And Lord, praise your name and receive from you, Lord. And today we just ask for you for your anointing to rest upon me to speak in clarity of thought and speech, Lord. And give us understanding to understand your word. And God, we thank you for the study of your word. We say it all today. And everyone said amen and amen. In studying uh, uh, Thanksgiving yesterday, I came across uh, a little history of Thanksgiving in our country that I wanted to share right from the very beginning, uh, going back to the first Thanksgiving day in our country, in America here. It was, it was in the year 1621. That's a long time ago. 1621, the pilgrims had just been over here in America for just a few years, uh, and the, governor, the, the pilgrim governor, William Bradford, in the, in the time of, and they're not, they're not exactly sure of October, November, established a day of thanksgiving. Established a day of thanksgiving. The pilgrims and the Indians in that area gathered together and they were initially going to have it a day of thanksgiving, but it turned into actually three days of thanksgiving. But historians believe that, that one of the main prayers that was prayed during that, that time of thanksgiving was this prayer right here, and it blessed me so much, I want to read it to you, to show you where, where, what, our, what our founding fathers believed in. They said this, Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, thine unworthy servants, do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all, for thine immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. <laughs> wow, hallelujah, my Lord. Our, father, our founding fathers uh, believed in God. Now, and get this this morning, they didn't just believe in some ambiguous creator. They believed in the God of the Bible 
and they thank the God of the Bible. They praise the God of the Bible. And even more specific than that, they praised and they thanked the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Our founding, our founding fathers praised and glorified God and his son, Jesus. My Lord, that's good. Mm. And so our country, get this, our country was founded, in a sense, on praise and glory and worship to the God of heaven, the God of the Bible, and his son, Jesus. Our country was founded on that. And you know what, even though we're living many, many years, over 400 or almost 400 years removed from that, thank God that God still does have a people in this country that are still going to praise and worship the God of the Bible and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God still has a people in this country. That just like our founding fathers are going to say, I thank thee, O Lord, for thy immeasurable gift in sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for us. Oh, hallelujah. Glory, glory. I know it's morning. I know it's only 8 o'clock. Oh, my Lord, but I feel it today. Oh, there's a reason to give him glory. There's a reason to give him thanks. <laughs> oh, Lord, thank you, Lord. Those founding fathers, those pilgrims, I'll tell you what, they traveled a long way. Those are our ancestors. They traveled a long way in the Mayflower and the other two other boats. Forgive my lack of knowing history. But uh, other two boats, they traveled a long way. When they came here, they had it hard. They had it difficult. But they knew that it was the Lord that preserved them. It was the Lord that helped them. It was the Lord that brought in the harvest that year. Oh, the year after the initial day of Thanksgiving, history tells us that there was a long, dry, hot summer. And the crops, it basically, it, it destroyed or it almost destroyed the harvest. And they desperately needed rain. Because of the long, dry, hot uh, summer that year that produced no rain at all and it was going to greatly affect the harvest that year. And so you know what Governor William Bradford did? He called for a time of fasting and prayer. And get this, just a few days after that time of fasting and prayer, God sent the rain. You know what they had after that? They had another day of thanksgiving. To thank the Lord for sending the rain. Oh, to bring the harvest in. Oh, I, just, I can't get over that. This, I know we're going to get into our study, but I just thank the Lord for our founding, our founding fathers that gave the glory unto the God of heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm, mm, thank you, Lord. In this passage of Scripture that we have read today, again, I wanted to begin here to make the point that the Holy Spirit made through the Apostle Paul, specifically in verse 18, that it is the will of God for all those that are in Christ Jesus to give God thanks. Get that today. 
He said in verse 18 again, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The Holy Spirit was letting us know through those words that that it is God's will for my life and for all those that are in Christ Jesus in everything to give God thanks. That God's people ought to be a people that are giving the Lord the praise, that are giving honor to the God of heaven, that are thanking him. Not just on Sunday morning, not just on Wednesday night or Thursday night, but every single day, a people who are giving God thanks who are giving God glory, who are giving God the praise, who are worshiping him and living a life that exemplifies thanks to God. That that, that is the will of God for my life, for the believer's life, to live a life of consistently giving the Lord thanks. Oh, because he's been so good to us giving the Lord thanks that God's people are not to be people that look like they've been baptized in vinegar, the sucking lemons, sourpuss, believers, oh, those, those, it's those angry sourpuss people that go to church. That's what the world thinks. That's what the world sees a lot. Oh, but God's people ought to be happy. Oh, they ought to be happy. We've got something to be thankful for. Get that today. We've got something to be thankful, not just something, but a whole lot to be thankful for. It doesn't mean that we have to, that we are to live our life just, you know, you know, dancing all around necessarily. But I tell you what, he, he said in everything we are to give thanks, and that is God's will for my life. Mm. Hallelujah. It's God's will. He used that terminology. He said, in Christ Jesus, which throughout the epistles of Paul, that is Paul's favorite expression. Over 140 times in his epistles, he uses that expression. In Christ Jesus, which specifically refers to our position that we have in Christ Jesus through simple faith in what he did for us at the cross. When we believed, he planted us, he immersed us into Christ Jesus. And so that means that if you are in Christ Jesus, it is God's will for you to give him thanks. Mm. We're going to be dealing with that today. It is God's will to give him thanks. He said here, in everything, give thanks. In everything, Give thanks. I know this could, could in and of itself become a whole sermon, but in everything he said, give thanks. That means in every situation, in every circumstance of life, in every turmoil or every aspect of life, we are to give the Lord thanks because he's been so good to us, because of what he has done for us, because of who he, uh, for, because of who he is. That doesn't mean that we have to thank him for everything, right? 
but we are to thank him in everything. You don't have to thank him for sickness, but you can thank him in the midst of your sickness. You don't thank him for cancer, but while you've got cancer, you can give him glory. You can give him praise. You don't have to thank him for the bills, but you can thank him in the midst of your bills. In the midst of your debt, you can thank him. Hallelujah. In the midst of the turmoil, we are to thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I praise you, O oh God. I give you glory, O oh God. Oh, we can thank him. We are to thank him in everything. No matter what the situation is, in the midst of it all, it is God's, again, it is God's will. It is God's design. It is God's plan. It is God's desire that we give him thanks in the midst of everything. Even when all the believers come to church and the praise and worship is going on and there's, you, you, you maybe don't feel anything moving in the, in the praise and worship, I tell you what, our praise and worship should not be dependent upon the praise and worship leader. It should not be dependent upon the musicians. It should just be dependent on how, on who he is and what he has done. Oh, thank you, Lord. I know this is easier said than done, but hey, it's the will of God. It's the will of God in the midst of everything. Give God thanks. Give the Lord thanks. In Psalm chapter 34, verses 1 through 3, why don't you turn there just to see it, just to look at it. Psalm 34, beginning with verse 1. The book of Psalms, chapter 34 and verse 1. We'll read verses 1 through 3. David, the the great psalmist, (laughs) he said this in verse 1. He said, I will bless the Lord at what? All times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. But the psalmist David, who was one of the most perfect types of Christ in the Bible, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times, again, in everything, give thanks. What are you going through today? Whatever you're going through, give him thanks. Give him praise. Give him glory. Hallelujah. Oh, if you, can't, if you, if you, if you think about it, you can't think of anything to give him praise for, I tell you, start thinking of what you might think of as the insignificant things. Start thanking him for the clothes on your body. Start thanking him for the, for the air in your lungs. Start thanking them for the, for, the, for the roof over your head, for the food that you can put in your mouth. Start thanking them for everything, for everything. Thank him for your children if you have children. Thank him for your, if you're single, thank him for just being single. 
Oh, thank him for the, the mate that God does have for you. Thank him for this day. Thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him. Praise him. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth, be, continually be on my lips. God's people ought to be a praising people. Hallelujah. You know, one of the awesome things about uh, every great move of God is that it always involved praise and worship. You look at, you look at the, the book of Acts, and even the book of Acts, it was praise and worship that were intertwined all in the, the great move of God, and then Acts 2, and all throughout the book of Acts, praise and worship. The Azusa Street Revival, praise and worship was all intertwined in it because whenever the Holy Spirit moves, there's going to be, he's going to inspire, he's going to instigate praise and glory and thanksgiving and worship to the Lord. Praise and worship. Again, I ask you today, what are you going through? God's will for you is just to give him thanks in the midst of it. And I tell you, as we give him thanks in the midst of the situations that we go through, in the midst of the problems that we go through, in the midst of dryness, in the midst of seasons of turmoil, I tell you what, God will use it to bring you out and to bring you through. Hallelujah. I said he will use you giving him glory, you giving him thanks to bring you through that problem. Hmm. He'll bring you through. Just give him glory. Give him thanks. Don't magnify the problem. Magnify God in the problem. Don't magnify how? Don't magnify the devil. Oh, don't do that. Don't magnify all oh, the devils. Oh, oh, he's beating me up. And, oh, woe is me. And, oh, I can't take it no more. Magnify the Lord in that situation. Because God is bigger than any problem. He's bigger than any situation. He's bigger and greater than the power of the devil. Hallelujah. He's bigger. He's God. And so it is God's will that we praise him. As we go further under our study today, I want to, as we have established that it's God's will. Again, we could spend the whole time just on that. But I want to, I want to deal this morning as well with the foundation of praise and worship. The foundation of praise and worship as we, as we study this critical and very important subject that is the will of God for our life. It's important that we understand what is the foundation of us praising and worshiping and giving him thanks. What is that foundation? And, and in doing so, I wanna give you a general definition of what praise and worship is. All right, just a general definition of what praise and worship is. And when I say praise and worship, I'm including in that thanksgiving, glorifying him, honoring him, magnifying him, praise and worship. A general definition, here it is. Praise and worship is the expression of our faith, declaring the goodness of who God is and what God has done. So we approach this thought of the foundation of our praise and worship. Praise and worship is, get this, it's the expression of our faith. 
in the goodness of who God is and what God has done for us. I'm gonna say it again and emphasize the point. It is the expression, it is just simply the expression, the outward manifestation or the inward manifestation of our faith, of our trust, of our love for God, for his son Jesus, for his goodness of who he is and what he has done for us. It is, again, the expression of our faith. This is so critically important in understanding praise and worship because it's out of the heart of faith. Get this. It's out of the heart of faith and trust that God has designed praise and worship to come from. I know the psalmist said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, and that is true. But it is mainly from the heart of those who believe, get that today, it is the expression of our faith and who God is and what he has done for us, the expression, the manifestation of our trust. And who is God? God is God. (laughs) God is God. The Bible just declares in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God, tell you who God is? God is God. He is our creator. He's our father. He's our sustainer. He's our provider. He's our strength. He's our help. He's a very present help in trouble. He is God, and praise and worship is that expression of our faith in who God is, that he is everything. He's not just a God. He's not some stone Buddha somewhere or some metal object sitting on, sitting on my shelf. He's God. He's creator. He's everything. He's our savior, our, our, our master, our provider. Again, everything. He's our strength. He's our shield. He is God. Oh, my Lord. He's God. Who he is. Who is, who is Jesus. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's the Lamb of God. He's, he's, the, he's our Redeemer. He's our Sustainer. He's our righteousness. He's our justification. He's our sanctification. He's our glorification. He's the hope of glory. He's everything. He's the bread. He's the water. He's the life. Hallelujah. He is glory. He's everything. He's Jesus. The Lamb of God. Praise and worship is the expression of our faith and who he is. And secondly, it's the expression of our faith in what God has done for us. And let me ask you this. What's the main thing God has done for us? It's sending his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. It's sending his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, on this earth to die on the cross for us. He spread out his arms, and he did it for us. Oh, he did it for us. He didn't do it for us because we were lovable, because we deserved it, because we could work for it, because we merited it. He did it just simply because he loved us. Oh, yes, give him glory. Hallelujah. He loved us for God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
that whoever believes on him should not perish but everlasting life. The main thing that God, the creator, our father, our master has done for us, and he sent his, he sent his prized possession. He sent the best thing he could send, his own son. Wow, that's what God's done for us. And through Jesus and through his death at the cross, he has given us and really done for us everything that we need to live this life on this earth. Through the cross, he's given us peace. To the cross, he's given us joy. To the cross, he's given us victory. To the cross, he's given us everything. If you're single, to the cross, he'll give you a mate. Hallelujah. To the cross, he'll help your marriage. To the cross, he'll pay your bills. To the cross, he'll do everything. He has done everything for us. Oh, my Lord, he's done everything for us. And praise and worship again is the expression of our faith in who he is and what he has done. Oh my, get this today. If we forget, and we have a tendency to forget, don't we? If we, have, if we forget who he is and what he's done, I tell you what, it will pull us down and, and Satan will even use that to destroy our faith in the Lord. If we neglect, if we neglect, I said if we neglect to give him thanks, to express our faith in him and who he is and what he's done, Satan will use that to destroy our faith. Because if he can steal your praise, he will get to your heart, he will get to your faith. If you and I get so focused on the problem, you and I get so focused on the distractions of life, you and I get so, so focused on the stock market, or on Washington, D.C., or on the problems that we're going through, he will, he will steal our praise, and through that, he will, call, he will try to destroy our faith. Never forget who he is. Never forget what he's done for us. Hallelujah. It is expression of our faith, our trust, and who God is, and what God has done for us. It's so important to understand this because if we are to correctly praise and worship the Lord, it needs to be founded on our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us at Calvary. That's not just some buzzword, you hear me? That's not some buzzword, the cross, the cross, the cross. That's not a buzzword, it's the truth. It's the truth. I said it's the truth. The cross, our faith, our praise and worship, in reality, everything, our prayer life, our tithing, our service to the Lord, everything must be founded on our dependence in who Christ is and what Christ has done for us at that cross. It is finished. Why am I going to praise him so much? Because it is finished. Why would I give him glory? Because it is finished. That's not God's plan for just a few. That's not God's plan for just four or five in a corner somewhere. It's God's plan for all of his people to give him glory for the cross. 
Hallelujah. And that our, and our praise and worship, our glory, again, everything be founded on that foundation because that's a firm foundation. It's the rock. It is finished. Get this. Never separate praise and worship from the cross. Never Never separate praise and worship and giving of thanks and glorifying him and magnifying him. Never separate it from the finished work of Calvary. Never separate the two. Why? Well, because the Bible, but, but, but specifically I want to be more specific than that, because heaven doesn't separate the two. Go to the book of Revelation, if you would. Revelation Chapter 5, the book of Revelation, chapter 5, and beginning with verse 8. <coughs> Revelation, chapter 5, and beginning with verse 8. When you're there, say amen. John here had a vision of heaven. God gave John a vision like he has never given any man ever, ever, ever before. A vision of heaven. He saw heaven like no man has ever seen heaven before. And he saw heaven here in Revelation 4 and also, <coughs> excuse me, verse 5. And beginning with verse 8, it says, And when he had taken the book, that's talking about Jesus, taking the book from the right hand of the Father, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang and they sung a new song, <laughs> saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred. Oh, I know on this earth, some churches don't want to sing about the blood anymore. They say it's offensive. But I tell you what, when we get to glory, we're going to be singing about the blood. <laughs> Woo! We're going to be singing about the love, blood. We're going to be singing a new song. A new song. Oh, a fresh song. Not an old song. Not some stale, dead, dry song. But a new song. And that new song was, says this in, in verse 8 again. He said that you, uh, thou art worthy. Get that. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy to take the book. To open the seven seal, the seals thereof. For thou wast slain mm. and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Why, why not separate praise and worship from the blood? Because heaven doesn't separate praise and worship from the blood. You and I forever and ever 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 in our glorified bodies will be thanking God for the blood. We'll be worshiping the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world and has redeemed us to God by his precious blood. Mm, hallelujah. Glory to God. But it goes on and it said, and it's made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels run about the throne 
And the, and, the, and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, I'll tell you what, when you and I get to glory, it's going to be loud praise and worship. Get this, not, not obnoxiously loud, okay? All right, just to, just to balance it out, all right? Okay. Not obnoxiously loud. You're not going to be in heaven, so oh, I wish they would just turn it down a little bit. But it's going to be gloriously loud. <laughs> oh, I said gloriously loud. Shout unto the Lord, all ye people. Shout unto the Lord. He said, with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. (laughs) I tell you what, that speaks of the cross. That speaks of the cross. Hallelujah. That speaks of it is finished and again that's that's not that's not man's message that's god's message it's the truth i get this we're not to make some law out of this and understand this we're not to make some law out of it well i didn't hear well they they didn't mention the word cross or they didn't mention the word blood we're not to make a law out of it that you have to mention the word blood or cross in every song Understand this. We exalt thee. We sing, we love, that's an that's a anointed song. We exalt thee, we exalt thee, we exalt thee. Oh, Lord. Doesn't mention anything about the blood or the cross, the words that is. But you know what? It's giving glory to the one who did send his son Jesus. Hallelujah. So don't make a law out of it. Understand that. We have to be careful not to do that. But understand this, that when you sing, we exalt thee. When you sing, there's a river of life flowing out from me. Hallelujah. When you sing, he poured in the oil and the wine. Hallelujah. Oh, when you sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. No, it's all because of the blood. When you give him thanks for the clothes on your body, when you give him thanks for, for, for what you have in your home, when you, give your th- when you give God thanks for your wife, your children, for your family, give him thanks in the foundation of your dependence in the finished work of Calvary. Oh, that should never get old. That is always fresh bread. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. It's always fresh bread. Why is this so important? Because this is important because we need to understand this. Because praise and worship in and of itself is not the foundation of our victory. Do you understand that? Praise and worship in and of itself. And I'm talking about the the act of praise and worship. The act of lifting up of hands, of holy hands. The act of clapping our hands. The act of just solemn, holy praise. The act of dancing before the Lord. In and of itself is not the victory. Get that. It's not the victory. It's not 
the key to victory. It's not the road to victory. Why do I say that? Because I know I've heard it, I've heard it many times in my life. I've heard it said that if you want, that, that praise is the key to victory. That if you want to have victory, if you want to have victory of the power of that sin in your life, then, you, then you've got to pray. That praise is the way. And understand this. this is a, there's a fine line, which I'm going to explain here in more in just a moment. But the praise and worship in and of itself is not our foundation. Get that? It's not the foundation. Our faith in the finished work of Christ is our foundation. That's what we depend upon. I'm not dependent on whether or not I can dance before the Lord. I'm not dependent on how good my voice is. Thank the Lord. I'm not dependent on whether or not I can praise and worship like somebody else. That's not my foundation. That's not our key to victory. That's not the key to overcoming the world, the flesh, and the devil. Our dependence in the slain lamb of God who was slain and has redeemed us by his blood. That is our victory. Hallelujah. That's our victory. John said it in 1 John 5 and verse 4. This is a victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Even our faith. In Revelation chapter 12. In verse 11, when John saw heaven and, uh, and John saw Satan cast out of heaven, kicked out of heaven once and, once and for all, finally, at the midpoint of the tribulation period, John said this, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. The blood of the lamb and our faith, our dependence, our leaning, our trusting in the finished work of the cross is our victory. It is our foundation. It's the key. It's everything. Hallelujah. It's everything. But get this, though. Praise and worship in the eyes of God is a is a holy, beautiful, and cherished expression of that faith that we have in Christ and who God is and what God has done for us. Did you, did you get that today? Our praise and worship, our giving of thanks, whether, whether, whether out loud through your mouth or through music or just in your spirit, the giving of thanks, the worship, the praise, is a holy expression. It is a beautiful expression. Get this, it is an appropriate and fitting and correct and expected expression of our faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And I want you to turn again to the book of Psalms in dealing with this and showing this. The book of Psalms in verse 33 and verse 1. Why don't you turn there in your Bibles, if you would. Psalm 33 and verse 1. And right now, for the moment, we're dealing with how the, the foundation of our praise and worship is our dependence in the finished work of Calvary. But understand this, that that doesn't mean, get this, that doesn't mean, well, 
that we can that the, that we are to have the attitude. Well, you know, well, you know, I don't really, I don't really do that because I believe. I don't really pray. I don't really get involved in praise and worship that much. You know, I, I don't, I don't do that dancing stuff because because I believe. I believe in the cross, and so what? The, what? Understand this. That mentality is wrong. Because what that's doing is saying it's faith in the cross versus praise and worship. But, but it's not faith in the cross versus praise and worship. It's not faith in the cross in the place of prayer or in the place of praise and worship or in the place of service or anything. It's praise and worship because you have faith. It's prayer. It's seeking the face of God because you believe in the finished work of Calvary. And the grace that you're receiving from God, the moving, that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that you're receiving from God through your dependence in the finished work of Calvary, I tell you, it's like gas in your engine. Oh, it's like Holy Spirit gas in your engine that should cause your hands to go up, that should cause your hands to clap. Hallelujah. That should cause your mouth to open. That should cause to put a smile on your face. He doesn't give his, he doesn't give us his grace in vain. Paul said that. He has not given me his grace in vain. But I have labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but it was his grace. It was his grace, the grace that he received through his trust in Calvary that caused in him to labor for the Lord. Yet not him. It wasn't him, 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 him. It was his grace working through him. And I tell you, his grace working through us will cause us If we cooperate with him, that is, it will cause us to worship. It may even cause some of you, and I'm preaching myself too, it may even cause us to again get out of our aisle and dance a little bit before the Lord. I know that may be strange for some of you, but I tell you, we've got freedom in the Lord to do so. Hallelujah. (coughs) And In Psalm 30. Three and verse one, the psalmist said this, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, exclamation point. For praise from the upright is comely. Wow. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is comely. Again, That expression, praise and worship, is the expression of our faith. But in the eyes of God, it is a holy expression. It is a cherished expression. It is a beautiful expression in the eyes of the Lord. Hallelujah. And it is even an expected expression from the Lord. The word, (coughs) it says here in in that verse, he said, rejoice in the Lord, first of all, O you righteous. Now, don't, don't skip over that. Don't skip over that. Don't skip over the righteous part. Because how are we made righteous? It's the imputed righteousness of God. 
hallelujah, through what his son Jesus did for me in Calvary. He makes me righteous. I don't make myself righteous by what I do. He makes me righteous by me just believing in what he has done. That's the righteous. That's how Abraham was made righteous. That's how Elijah was made righteous. That's how David was made righteous. That's how you and I are made righteous. And he said, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Are you righteous today? <laughs> Hallelujah. I just, it makes me think of, you know, that's a, that's a, a slang among teenagers sometimes. Oh, that was so righteous. Oh, do you see him jump, jump, make that jump? Oh, that was a righteous jump. But I tell you what, in the, for us, for us who, have, who believe, we are, we are righteous in the eyes of God. Get this, the, the, the righteous don't rejoice to be righteous. The righteous rejoice because they have been made righteous. Oh, get that today. The righteous don't rejoice to be made righteous. I'm not dancing before the Lord. I'm not singing. I'm not lifting my hands for God to see me and for God to smile on me and for God to give me something through my, you know, through my work. I'm worshiping him because he has made me righteous. He imputed, he put on my account his righteousness. David said in Psalm 34 that the righteous cry out, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. James said in, cha in James chapter 5 and verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain and didn't rain for three and a half years and he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, the earth brought forth her fruit. But many times what we do as believers, the church in general does, is they lowly focus on what the righteous does. Get that? They skip right over, the, they skip right over righteous and they focus on what the righteous man is doing, thinking that it's through his doing that he's made righteous. But that's not right. He is made righteous because of what he believes and because he has been given something that he does not deserve. Because he has been given something from God that he could not work for, that he does not merit. Actually, he, he deserves the exact opposite. He deserve, the righteous deserves hellfire. The righteous deserve judgment from God, but the righteous have been given something that they don't deserve. And so, what is the expression of that faith and love? It's thanks and worship and glory to the God of heaven. But he said this, he said, rejoice, O you righteous. He said, for praise from the upright is comely. That word comely right there, or some translation says beautiful. It means, it does mean comely, it means beautiful. One of the meanings of the Hebrew word for comely there is that which is fitting and appropriate. Get this. It's comely, it's beautiful, but one of the, the meanings of the Hebrew word there, it means that which is fitting and appropriate. 
And the word picture, the word picture is, is that there's a, a royal banquet. <coughs> there is a royal banquet. And the king, the royal official, invites people to the royal banquet. And the people that come to the royal banquet, the individuals, the men and the women, when they come to that royal banquet, they dress appropriately. The woman wears her fine, beautiful dress. She's got her hair on, she's got her makeup on. She's got her jewelry. Oh, she looks, she is beautiful. The man, he's got his clean, crisp suit on. His shoes are shine, his hair is combed. He's looking good, he's smelling good. He is appropriate for the banquet. The word for comely here, one of the meanings of it, is that that which is fitting and appropriate. He is, he said, praise from the upright, those who have been made upright, is comely. It's beautiful. It's fitting. It's appropriate to the Lord. <laughs> that means that, uh, using that word picture analogy, that when the child of God is giving him thanks because he has done so much for us and because of who he is, when we're giving him thanks, when we are rejoicing, we are, when we are glorifying him in praise and worship and glory and exaltation, in the eyes of God, it is just like that person coming to a banquet who is dressed all up and they're dressed appropriately. They are dressed for the occasion. Hallelujah. They are fitting before the Lord. But the child of God, the, ones that it, the, the one who has been made righteous, not based on what they do, but ba- it was, it's been given freely by God, that one who has been given so much freely as a gift, if they don't or refuse or neglect, to consistently give the Lord praise and thanks. They're like a person coming to that royal banquet in shorts and and a t-shirt and flip-flops. It ain't appropriate. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not not teaching on what to dress when you praise and worship, all right? (laughs) Because you can praise and worship in your shower, but keep pretty much, keep it there. But you, you can praise and worship with nothing in your shower, in your bedroom, and thank God for that. Hallelujah, amen? You can praise and worship, you can praise and worship in your shorts and a t-shirt and sandals on. When you're on the beach, when you're on vacation, you can start just giving him glory. You can look at the water, look at how big the ocean is and say, man, I serve the God that made that thing. Hallelujah, you can see the fish and say, man, I, I know your creator. Hallelujah, glory, hallelujah. You can pick up that sand and say, hey, you know, thank you, Lord. You made this sand right here. And I serve that God. I serve the God. And God, you've been so good to me. So I'm not talking about dress, physical, that is to worship. But I'm talking about that which is spiritual. In the eyes of God, when we are giving him thanks because of who he is and what he has done for us, in the eyes of God, it's beautiful. Hallelujah. It's appropriate. Wow. It's fitting before the Lord, before the child of God has been given so much, but does not 
give him the thanks that's worthy of his name. And again, I'm not, there's no law about this because how I praise him is not, it's not the necessary way you, that, I, that you're going to praise him necessarily. Don't make a law out of it. Don't compare ourselves among ourselves. But you yourself, you give him the glory that he is worthy of. Hallelujah. I said you worship him. You give him thanks. And be willing, be willing for God to stretch you out of the box that you might have put him in. For some churches, once the first beat hits, once that stick hits the drum, everybody's And all it is is just going through the motions. Get that? For some people, for other churches, there is no beat that hits the drum. And it's just. But you know, we can't, we must not put God in a box in our praise and worship. Be willing for God to bring you out of the box. Hallelujah. I said, be willing for God to bring you out of the box. If you've, I'll just say this again, if you've never danced before the Lord, I tell you, it feels good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Doesn't mean you have to dance all the time, but be willing for God to stretch, to stretch you out a little bit. Hallelujah. If all you do is dance, 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 be willing for God to, to keep you still. But just be open to the leading and the moving and the and operation of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will instigate praise. Oh, yes, he will. The Holy Spirit, when he's moving, it's going to cause God's people to worship and glorify God and his son Jesus. Praise for the upright is comely. It's beautiful. In Psalm 147, verse 1. 147 verse 1, the psalmist said, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Praise is beautiful. Why is it beautiful? Why is praise beautiful and appropriate before the Lord? Why do we worship the Lord? I'll just mention this quickly even though we could spend the whole time on it, because he is worthy and he is deserving. Hallelujah. Why is it worth, why is it beautiful? Why is it appropriate? Because he is worthy of it. Get that? He is worthy of it. He is worthy of it. We read it in the book of Revelation chapter five, for you are worthy. For you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and praise and and honor. You are worthy. Why do we praise and worship God? Because he deserves it. Because he's worthy of it. Hallelujah. He is totally and completely worthy of our praise. That means if you don't praise him, if you don't give him thanks in everything, that means you're not giving God what he is worthy of. The Bible says this. In Exodus chapter 34, that our God, and I'm going to read it to you, Exodus 34 and verse 14, the Lord told this to, uh, to Israel, for thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. 
God because he is God, God because he is so worthy, God because he is so good, because he's so deserving, told his people, don't you dare worship any other God. Why? It's because I'm a jealous God. God is jealous for the praises of his people. It's appropriate, it's beautiful, it's holy in the eyes of God for God's people to express their love, express their trust in him in praise and worship. The first reason why we worship the Lord is because he's worthy. Secondly, because he's a jealous God. And then finally, the last thing as we close today, the third reason why we praise and worship it's because we were created to worship him. Hallelujah. Oh, my Lord. We were created to worship him. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, the angels said this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created God made us to worship him in reality God made every single person unsaved and saved every single individual that has ever come to this world into this world was created to worship God you see the devil will pervert that will pervert that inerrant calling on man and pervert it to twist it to worship the devil or worship self but we were created to worship God he's deserving he's a jealous God I was created to worship him so you know what let's just worship him hallelujah let's give him the thanks that's worthy of his name that's appropriate of a child of God we ain't some peasant we're not some pauper we're a child of God that's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's been given so much. Oh, freely by his grace. <laughs> just worship him. Lord, right now we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have made us, Lord. You've created us, God, to worship you, Lord. You've redeemed us by your precious blood. I ask the Lord you would stir praise and worship in our spirit when we're going through that obstacle, through that affliction. Lord, that it rise up within us, Lord, to give you thanks and glory. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And we say it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Hallelujah.